Welcome to the Mind Matters News Podcast. I'm your ever more ignorant host, Robert J. Marks. They say that the more you learn and the smarter you get, the more you realize you don't know. Boy, that's true with today's topic. We're talking about fine-tuning. Fine-tuning is ubiquitous in the universe. Today, we're going to talk about fine-tuning in biology, how how biology is fine-tuned to allow us to exist here. It allows us to live, breathe, and, and have our lives that we enjoy them. And we have the perfect guest to do this. Uh, both are published in the area of fine-tuning, and we want to tap their brains today. Dr. Daniel Diaz is a research assistant professor of biostatistics at the University of Miami and comes to us today from Columbia. Daniel, welcome. Thank you, Bob. A pleasure to be here. Okay, and Dr. Ola Hersher is a professor of mathematical statistics at Stockholm University and joins us today directly from Sweden. Ola, welcome to you too. Oh, thanks a lot, Bob, and it's great to be part of this. Okay, well, let's let's get right into talking about fine-tuning in biology. Ola, you co-authored a, a well-received paper entitled Using Statistical Methods to Model the Fine-Tuning of Molecular Machines and Systems. We are going to put a reference to this paper as well as some other papers in the podcast notes for those that are interested in digging deeper. Okay, using statistical methods to model the fine-tuning of molecular machines and systems. I know little about fine-tuning in biology, so you guys are really going to have to help me out. My car is not a molecular machine, but it's a machine, and it has a gas cap that unscrews to give me access to the little pipe that uh, that goes to my gas tank. And I, it allows me to fill my, my car with gas and then replace it so the gas doesn't get polluted. I suppose I could talk about fine-tuning of the gas cap. You know, the threads for the screws have to be just right. The gas cap can't be too big in diameter because it won't fit in the little hole. Uh, to me, that doesn't sound very compelling insofar as fine-tuning. But I, I suspect, and I, I know from perusing your paper, that fine-tuning in biology is much more sophisticated than that. Uh, Ola, what are some of the more sophisticated examples of fine-tuning in biology? Yes, uh, thanks, Bob. Yes, uh, in, uh, in order to talk about fine-tuning in biology, we have to go into the small things within the cell. And uh, during the first episode, we, we, we sort of talked about different ways of quantifying or defining fine-tuning. And it's closely related to specified complexity that Daniel talked about. And we can say that something is fine-tuned if it's complex, if it's unlikely to occur by chance. And secondly, if there is an independent description or specification of the thing that is fine-tuned. And now we, there are a number of features within the cells that satisfy these two requirements. And the first thing are proteins. Most proteins are sort of all over the cell, and in order for the cell to uh, manufacture proteins, uh, there is an amino acid sequence written on a, in a 20-letter alphabet of amino acids. Now, yeah, amino acids, they're the components. I, I'll interrupt when I understand something <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. So that, I, that I don't look too uh, ignorant. But uh, amino acids, these are the building blocks of DNA, right? Yeah, yes, yes. Well, well, actually, yes. So, so we have the, there is a correspondence between the nucleotides of DNA and amino acids through the genetic code. So, so we can say that uh, from... From, the, from DNA, we have 
coding that corresponds to a, a, a amino acid sequence. Yes, so that's correct. The amino acids form the building blocks of the protein. And uh, in order for a protein to work, when these uh, amino acids are manufactured in the ribosomes of the cell, uh, this uh, amino acid string has to be folded in a certain complicated three-dimensional structure that is specific for each protein. And that is necessary for the protein to work. And this is a complex structure because if we look at all possible amino acid sequences of a certain length, it could be a, a, a few thousand amino acids that uh, comprise a, 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 a protein. Uh, what is the fraction of amino acids that give us a, a working, a functioning three-dimensional protein? And it turns out that it's a very small fraction of amino acid sequences that give us a, a functioning protein. So, so that is uh, the first definition of fine-tuning. It's complex. It is unlikely to happen by chance to get a, a functioning protein. And the second part, we should have an independent specification. And, and in this case, the specification is that the protein works. So, 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 so for that reason, a protein is an example of a fine-tuned structure in biology. And then we could get up to the next hierarchical level and look at uh, uh, complexes of proteins. And, and the, like molecular machines, uh, the ribosome itself, the ribosome is manufactures proteins in the cell. That is itself a sort of a molecular machine that consists of many proteins that have, be, have to be arranged in a certain structure in order for, for it to do its work. Another example is mitochondria in the cell plasma. These are the power stations of the, of, of, of the cell that generate ATP. This is also an example of a molecular machine where all its parts have to be structured in a certain way in order for it to function. And so, so one could say, we talked about this during the first episode, uh, a, a specific case or a special case of fine-tuning are irreducibly complex systems. Something is not only complex, but it's complex due to the reason where uh, that it consists of many small parts and all parts must function in order for the whole system to work. So if you remove one of the parts in the process you're talking about, the whole thing breaks down. Let me give you a guess uh, as an example. This is on the macroscopic level. Uh, things such as our lungs, for example, have a bunch of individual cells. And one of these cells has no idea what the other cells are doing. But for some miraculous way, they all work together uh, to allow us to breathe and put oxygen in our blood and other things. Would that be kind of a, a big example of what you're talking about? Yes, yes. And another, you, you could view uh, the whole cell as a, as a cellular city, like it has a, a network of roads or factories and power stations. You could view a, a larger part of the cell as a, as a network. Uh, so so it, that consists of many uh, molecular machines or, or protein complexes. Yes. And, and, and these are things which display uh, uh, irreducible complexity. You take away one piece, the whole thing falls apart. Yes, because uh, it's one layer above, it's one hierarchical level above the protein complexes. And if the parts themselves are the protein complexes, the molecular machines that we talked about are irreducible complex 
then that will be the case also for on the next level. Not by definition, but but typically uh, that is the case as well. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. That that's uh, that's fascinating, Daniel. Do you have any other examples of fine tuning in in biology that uh, that you know of? Yeah, there was a paper that we published actually. You, Bob, and I published a paper last year on population genetics. Well, let's talk about uh, population genetics. Before we talk about it, let's define it. What is population genetics? Well, population genetics try to study how populations evolve in time, usually taking that evolution in terms of uh, genetics. That's how it is. That's why it is called that name. So you're looking at uh, some sequence of, uh, of genes or some gene, actually, and then you're looking how it is evolving in time and trying to infer some properties out of that process. That is basically a stochastic process. Stochastic, by the way. I tell my students if they want to impress people, they say stochastic. If they want to, if they don't want to, they say random. So stochastic yeah. is a synonym for random. Okay, so it's a random process. Go ahead. Yes, it's a synonym for random. It is, that, that, that's that's the formal name that is given to that process in probability theory. So yes, it sounds okay. quite impressive, but it just means that it's random over time. So, so or that it has some randomness at least included over time. It's not necessarily just pure random, but it has some random added to it over time. Uh, so that's the way to think about it. So in population genetics, actually, something that could be studied in terms of fine-tuning, for instance, is the time to fixation of some allele. An allele is just a variation of a gene. Could you say that that was a mutation? Uh, yeah, it's possible to have a, a mutation. And then what you're looking at is the possibility of that uh, mutation to become fixed throughout all the, popul- the population. So once it happens, then you can, you can say that that gene was fixed. That's a kind of a technical name again. So when it, it has a spread throughout all the population, and then you can think and you can study the time that it takes for that uh, mutation, for that allele to get fixed in all the population again. That time, can be just an example of fine-tuning in biology if the time, for instance, has a small probability again. So we're coming back to the same concept again. We have that now the time to fixation is going to be the specification. But that specification also has some probability of occurrence. Mm -hmm. If the probability is small, again, we can uh, talk of fine-tuning in biology and in particular in population genetics. So that being said, just I'm thinking here that we've been to- we've been talking about specifications and we're being very informal, but th- just let me mention that even though we are speaking about it here informally, uh, there's a formal definition to it. And actually this is one of the great ideas Ola had, and it is just defining it in very simple terms as a function, in mathematical function, I mean, with some interpretation, usually in reality, that is maximized. Uh, so even though we are talking here in, in very informal terms, I just want to mention that this specification can be formally defined in mathematical terms. Okay, yeah, well, yeah, yeah I want to talk about that next. Um, yeah, Ola, you, you came up with a, a general theory. We, we talk about in physics, for example, a theory of everything. 
Um, it turns out that fine-tuning is something ubiquitous in our universe. It occurs in biology, chemistry, and physics, and cosmology, the specific area of physics. And the question is, is there a general theory, a general way that we can look at fine-tuning across all of these disciplines? And you've done that. And uh, by something called, let's see, a specificity function, I believe. Could you explain a specificity function as, at, at as high a level as you possibly can uh, so that we can understand what's going on here about your general theory? Yes, yes, uh, Bob. Uh, we introduced this idea in, in, in my joint paper with Steiner Thorvaldsen originally, and, and then I have an ongoing project now with uh, Dania where we sort of elaborate on this day idea more. And... We start with a sample space of all the possible outcomes of a certain algorithm. And this could be, in cosmology, this could be the algorithm of generating the universe. Okay, now an algorithm an algorithm for generating the universe is kind of a, how would you describe that, as a theory or a model of by which the universe came into creation? Yes, yes. So in, in the previous episode, we talked about the possible values of a certain constant of nature. So this algorithm... If, if the universe was randomly generated, the d- different constants of nature could have different possible values with different probabilities. And the sample space is a collection of all possible outputs of the algorithm. In, so in, in cosmology, that would be the, the process of generating a universe. In, in biology, uh, that could be, as Daniel talked about, population genetics, we, uh, which is really describing small evolutionary changes so so then the outcome could be the outcome of a evolutionary process to generate a protein uh, we talked about proteins as being fine-tuned and it could also be in biology the process of generating and, and that's more challenging a whole protein complex or a molecular machine so 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 that is the first part we need to have a sample space of possible outcomes and then we introduce now comes a specificity function. To each possible outcome of the, in, in this sample space, we assign a value, which is how specified is this particular outcome. And f- if we go back to uh, cosmology, for each possible universe, we could look at a specific constant of nature, and then, then we, we, the value of the function will be binary. Either this value of the constant of nature, the outcome, corresponds to a a universe that permits life or not. Or when, when we talk about the protein, we have a certain amino acid sequence that uh, folds to a protein. Uh, so each amino acid sequence is a possible outcome. And, and that uh, outcome either corresponds to a functioning protein or not. And in this case, the specificity function is binary as well. One, if something works, if the protein functions, and zero, if it does not. But then we could also, if we talk about a molecular machine, we could also say that the specificity function is whether it works or not. But we could also have uh, more refined, like it could be the number of of parts it consists of and so on. And, and, And if we talk about population genetics, if the purpose is to generate various organisms, not only a protein or a protein complex, but a whole organism, uh, a population or, or to generate a species with, with uh, organisms, what is the biological fitness of, of, of each organism? What, and that is uh, 
quantifies that organism's reproductive ability, how many offspring it is expected to have. And in this case, that's another example of a specificity function. So, and so that was the second part. The first part was the sample space of all possible outcomes. And the second thing was specificity function. To each possible outcome, you assign a number that tells you how specified that particular outcome was. And then the third part is, I call it a null distribution. And that is, if you think of this, an outcome being generated randomly by chance, you have a certain distribution on it. And we talked about in cosmology, uh, the distribution of a certain constant of nature. We could think of a randomly generated amino acid sequence we could talk about a randomly, uh, a random evolutionary process. The purpose of is which is, or the target is, a functioning protein or a molecular machine, and so on. So, so, so now we have these three components: the list of all possible outcomes, the space sample space. We have a specificity function, and we have a null distribution that gives us the distribution of all these possible outcomes. And now we can define what is fine-tuning using these three components. And, and the first is thing we need to, we talked about this in episode one, we need to have a target. Uh, and now the target consists of all the outcomes in this list of outcomes that are specified, that have, have a sufficiently high value of this uh, specificity function above a certain level. And in the case of the universe, it's simply all the possible generated outcomes that permit life for, for a certain constant of nature. So, so uh, that gives us the target, the function uh, or, or, or the subset of all highly specified outcomes. And then uh, because we have, uh, we have constructed a distribution for randomly generated outcome, we can talk about the probability of ending up in that target uh, of, of highly specified outcomes. And if that probability is small, then the system is, uh, is, is finely tuned. And, and that we could apply that for uh, in cosmology, what is the probability of a certain constant of nature ending up in a, and then we call the target a life-permitting interval. We could apply it to, to evolutionary processes for generating proteins, what is the probability of that process generating a protein that works or functions, or, or uh, we could also talk about an evolutionary process. This is a chance uh, uh, with a certain null distribution. What is the probability of that evolutionary process generating a certain molecular machine, which is irreducibly complex? Uh, so, and, and if that probability is small, then the structure is fine-tuned. Excellent. Excellent. You know, one of the things I really like about your theory is including all possible successes. I, I've heard, for example, that if you make a bowl of alphabet soup and the letters arrange themselves and say, good morning, Ola, that that is, that is specified. And you can talk about the probability of that happen by randomly selecting numbers. And that probability is very small. A more meaningful thing to do is to ask, what is the probability of anything which is meaningful coming up and floating in your soup. That's a more important thing. And it sounds like you've done that by looking at all of the possible solutions that are specified. You've looked at all the possible successes. Am I right in that interpretation? 
Yeah, yeah, we we and 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 that's a sort of a kind of a goal of this project. And I think that's the beauty of mathematics. You have some general abstract objects, and you could sort of model things from different areas of applications in a similar way. And and I think that's an important part of the beauty of mathematics. That seemingly unrelated features in cosmology, in biology, uh, and in uh, algorithmic theory, uh, and so on, they could be modeled in a very similar way using similar concepts. Well, Ola, this this looks like a landmark paper, and I hope it gets the attention it deserves. Do you perchance know off the top of your head the title of the paper for people that want to dig deeper? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, it's uh, published in the uh, Journal of Theoretical Biology by myself and Steinar Thorvaldsen, and the title is Using Statistical Methods to model the fine-tuning of molecular machines and systems. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, and in this paper, we mostly talk about the biological application, but we also give an historical background because fine-tuning was was first mentioned in the context of physics and cosmology. So we also introduce some of these examples. Okay, well, excellent, excellent. Yeah, this. Uh, I hope the the paper gets gets the attention it needs. I was. I, I'm in the I'm in the world of artificial intelligence, and I looked up artificial intelligence on Google with quotation marks around it, and put 2020, and just to see how many hits I got, and it was in the millions. And it turns out to be like over two papers per minute, 24 oh. seven. There's no way that people can keep up with the literature. So there's lots of jewels in the mud of the literature that exists out here, and I certainly hope and hope that your uh, paper kind of floats to the surface as people realize the importance of it. I also know that sometimes papers lie dormant for a while until somebody discovers them and begins championing championing it, and uh, then it becomes more popular. Uh, so anyway, I, I hope that I hope that indeed that happens. Oh, thanks a lot, Bob. Yeah. So really, this is this is really a landmark landmark result. I wanted to talk about the last topic, and this is kind of a general idea too, and it's a paper that um, Daniel Ola and I wrote, and it was about introducing the idea of probability to measure the degree of fine-tuning. We talked about this a little in the prior podcast. If you want the background, you should go back and listen to that. It's really, really great. Uh, Daniel, could you talk about how we introduce the idea of probability to measure the degree of fine-tuning. This looks also to be a, a universal model that can be applied to a number of different things in biology, chemistry, and cosmology, for example. Yes, Bob, you're right. It is uh, generating a kind of universal setting to work in different areas. Some of the areas were mentioned actually by Ola, and as we have talked, because uh, fine-tuning is started in cosmology, now, there has been some applications of it to biology, as Ola was mentioning. Actually, there are a couple of papers that appear uh, this year in the literature talking about uh, fine-tuning also in cell membranes. Uh, so these are very specific things that are being done in biology. There is also fine-tuning, as we mentioned in the first podcast, on search problems in computer science, that is machine learning. And there is also this very interesting area that has generated a lot of response, positive, negative, among uh, all, every possible different view about the simulation hypothesis. And in the simulation hypothesis, there is also required that there's some fine tuning. 
so it's very interesting. It is very interesting. And as we can see, fine tuning is kind of spreading throughout all the sciences. And there was an important realization that we had in our previous paper when we were uh, finding a way to measure fine tuning, cosmological fine tuning, actually. And it was to notice that actually fine tuning problem, the fine tuning problem can be divided into two parts, two stages. The first stage is just finding what is the life permitting interval. And that is basically a physical problem. That is a problem pertaining to the science of physics. And the second problem is determining the size, determining the probability, sorry, of that life permitting interval. And that is a mathematical problem. So when we realize that, then we could use all the mathematical power in order to find that probability. And that is the realization that I think allows to generalize the whole concept to all areas of science. Because even though the first step is going to be determined uh, by the particular area that is being looked at, so biology, physics, uh, machine learning, whatever, the second stage is going to be a general mathematical theory that can be applied throughout all the sciences. And that is what allows the concept to be generalized. That uh, realization that the probability, that finding the probability is basically a mathematical problem. The way that we do that, 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 that we do it in our paper was then, as Ola mentioned before, by using Bayes theory and trying and looking for a maximization of entropy that is something that is maximizing our level of ignorance that is using all that we know and then making as random as possible all that we don't know so that we could uh, circumvent previous criticisms that were done to previous attempts also to measure that probability. Let me ask you a question, Daniel, and this will probably come from uh, some different people and I think has been one of the obstacles for developing this general probabilistic theory. We have different cosmological constants, say, for example, the speed of light, but we have no idea of the distribution. We have one statistic, which is currently the speed of light as it exists. How can you take one statistic and figure out, for example, in a model, how much it's spread out? Those with a background or a, a course in statistics, you know that it takes at least two numbers to figure out or estimate the variance, and usually that's pretty bad. So what do you do? How do you take one statistic and milk it for all this probabilistic information? Yeah, so that's precisely what we did in, the, in this previous paper on cosmological fine-tuning on how to measure cosmological fine-tuning. By the way, for the listeners that are inter who are interested, you can look for the paper. It is title is Cosmological Tuning Fine or Course, and it is published in the uh, Journal of Cosmology and Astroparticle Physics. That's the name of the journal. And uh, what we did in that paper then was realizing that there were some previous problems with the way that probability was considered for those. There is a famous paper that was written almost two decades ago by uh, some philosophers Timothy McGrew, Lydia McGrew, and Bestrup. And this paper talks about how trying to use uh, the uniform distribution that is trying to constrain, basically, the life-permitting interval to a finite space, to a finite set of possible outcomes, is not permissible for finding the probability of fine-tuning. 
So there was this big question that was kind of the origin of our quest for a way to measure this probability. So we realized that if we wanted to do that, we should replace that basic idea that was underlying the, the uniform distribution for this problem and generalize it to a more general uh, situation. When we generalize it, or the way to generalize it was using, uh, as Ola mentioned before, the maximum entropy principle. And we, when we went into that direction and together considered a Bayes' theory, then we were able to actually use that life permitting interval in order to measure that probability without having those previous problems that, that uh, previous attempts had when they were measuring the probability. That's great. I, I, I would suggest those of you who are sufficiently nerdy to understand the math to go to the paper and the solution, which I believe was due to Ola, is really ingenious how you can stretch this one statistic into a more general framework by assuming maximum entropy. Yeah. So let me just mention here that two things that we achieved in the paper were first then to uh, solve that previous criticism to the measuring of fine-tuning. That is, that criticism is usually called in the literature the normalization objection. So our, our, our method overcome that criticism. And then Ola's idea also of Bayes' theory, using it as background, also overcame some criticism that is usually done to these measurements that is called the weak anthropic principle in which this basically said that we are biased to see a universe as we are seeing because we are here to see it. <laughs> and it sounds like a, like a puzzle, but it has some weight. And then the combination of the maximum entropy and Bayes theory solved the two problems in tandem. So we were able to solve the normalization objection and to, to find a way to, to go around the normalization objection and to find a way through the Bayes theory that uh, Ola is so expert working with for the weak anthropic principle. So yeah, we recommend uh, for those that are interested in digging deeper and getting more into the weeds of looking at these two papers, the one that Ola mentioned and the one that Daniel mentioned also, we will post the citation and a link to the paper on the podcast notes so that you can have quick access. Look, we've been chatting with Dr. Ola Herschler uh, from Stockholm University and Dr. Daniel Diaz from the University of Miami about fine-tuning in biology. Next time, we'll talk more specifically about fine-tuning in the cosmos with physical constants that allow life in our universe, that allow you and me to live. Until then, be of good cheer. This has been Mind Matters News with your host, Robert J. Marks. Explore more at mindmatters.ai. That's mindmatters.ai. Mind Matters News is directed and edited by Austin Egbert. The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the speakers. Mind Matters News is produced and copyrighted by the Walter Bradley Center for Natural and Artificial Intelligence at Discovery Institute.